Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. to 
be numb or uncaring, just simply without anxiety, accepting yourself just as you are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Tara Brock, a local here in the Washington metropolitan area. And the meditation or reflection that you heard was about accepting yourself. It's on Money Groat's album, which we play quite regularly here. It's really one of our specialities, and it sort of sets a tone for our conversations, and it's very much in alignment with the work that we do on America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and it's so important for us to try to understand what real self-worth is and how to be able to define what self-worth is because there are two dimensions to it. We've often um, valued ourselves based on our work ethics, the way we look, um, the height of our bodies and uh, the clothes we wear, the house we live in, the car we drive, the person that we're with. Um, and a lot of that, of course, is a manifestation of some interior energy that we have served at a thought level. And I invite you to think about if my thoughts have been focused on my value is a physical form of the way I value myself. You might find that you have the perfect partner, the perfect house, the perfect car, the best clothes. Maybe you might even be physically attractive as the way the world defines attractiveness. And inside of you, you're still not the same. You're not fully you. And that can then give you the signal that definitely there's something still missing, you know. And I I invite you to check on that, that even after you've achieved everything, what's wrong? What's wrong inside of you? What's happening? And my observation of that has been that because I've used so much of my thought potential to perceive and define worth, to be a physical manifestation, even though physically what's in my life is a form of the, is a form of my value, um, but my intention and my thoughts were rooted on the understanding that my value is a physical form. When if we take it a little bit deeper, a little bit more sublime or spiritual or pure, then if I can appreciate the purity of the soul, if I can um, come from a place of feeling that I am enough, even if I don't have a great car, I don't have great clothes, I don't have a beautiful house, um, I don't seem to look physically attractive the way the magazine covers deem attractiveness, and um, I can still say that I'm okay and I'm kind to myself and I'm kind to people and I'm open to learning and there isn't stubbornness in my nature and I'm not, you know, allowing the ego to feed, then eventually the energy and the personality will increase, that it starts to manifest the physical expression of the way that we're feeling eventually because it stays around for a long time. It's not like we get it and then it goes in a week. You know, when you get it, it's because we've been serving it for quite a long period of time. And so this need for us to understand what self-worth is and to value ourselves, um, it gives me pleasure to welcome our next guest, who is Anne Boudreau. Have you ever considered about how important self-worth is to how we live our lives? So Anne and her last name is pronounced Boudreau, and sorry if I messed that up earlier. She's interviewed 40 survivors of trauma to understand how self-worth actually helps people survive and thrive. Anne is an inspirational author, coach, and executive who has spent years coaching people to assist them developing healthy self-worth habits. Her new book is entitled A Human Mosaic, Heal, Renew, and Develop Self-Worth. Today, we're happy to welcome Anne Boudreau to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Anne. Good morning, Sister Jenna. How are you? Very well, very well. Very, very zen this morning. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. 
We're glad to have you. I've heard that you spent 22 years as a business executive, and I'd be curious to find out what actually prompted you to start to study and write more about self-worth. Yes, I did. I spent, you know, the first, really more than the first three quarters of my, my life in the business world, or at least in that direction from the time that I was a little girl, you know, I was externally focused. Um, That was the way we were programmed. And so I began my career um, as a marketing and corporate communications director for global companies. And I rose very quickly um, in business. I had a very strong background in college. I was an honors writing student. So I had a very strong background in writing, which is a, a skill that, as you probably know, is not available to everyone. So I started writing documents for CEOs and things like that. And quickly, with that uh, expertise, I quickly rose in the business world. And as I did, I also took on a role of being kind of the mother counselor. Um, People would Mm -hmm. come to me with their issues and questions or how to resolve a conflict. And I would be the one that would kind of help guide them to a resolution. So I was always playing the dual role of business executive plus staff counselor, so to speak. And after 22 years of working really hard and achieving a lot of success monetarily and title-wise, I just felt so unfulfilled and rather vapid, definitely spiritually and emotionally. And Mm -hmm. there was so much when when I left the business world that the economy had plummeted in 2008. And after that, there was just so much strife and, you know, just politics that had invaded the um, and eroded the culture of the business climate that I was in. I just Mm -hmm. I started to get physical manifestations of that that were heart pain and stomach aches and things like that. And I finally had to see a cardiologist and it was, I knew that it was time to leave. And um, this book had been percolating in me since I was a very young girl. And so um, it was literally the day I resigned when I said I'm resigning to write the book that I have been writing since I was a little girl. So Um, I had no regrets other than leaving a good income, but that didn't fulfill (laughs) me. So. Yeah, that's what I was sharing earlier on in the show about how it's interesting that we will take care of all the things that we were supposed to do, and yet there's still something inside that tends to be a void, and it it could be a little void, it could be a big void, but it affects a lot of the ways that we communicate, handle our relationships, and it's a big thing, and I'm even seeing it in the world today, and Anne, you might be also observing it, there is a need for deep self-worth. Um, self-worth seems to be, you know, how large you can make your derriere and the tightness of your clothes and oh. the smallness of your waistline, your lips, and, you know, how bullying you can be because you're in a position of power. It's We've moved so far away from what self-worth really, really is. And I'd love if you could help us to go a little deeper into defining what it is based on your interpretation and what does it look like and maybe how valuable, how important is it? Well, you know, Sister Jenna, the world, and I write about it quite frankly in my book, quite openly, it, it, the world has gone in a direction that really I didn't see coming. When we had um, the former president in power, things seemed to be opening up and evolving in a positive direction. And um, with the new administration, it just just things just started to tumble. And at that point, it was almost as though it was a perfect storm of of issues, rising bigotry, uh, huge surge, 60% surge in suicides, irrational violence, you know, just overdoses, so much stuff. And, and, you know, it it was there underneath the surface, but um, things tend to, you know, rise to the top. I use the expression, when the tide is low, the rocks show up. And I think that's what we're seeing now. It's just the the culture has become so negative. And so, you know, self-worth has taken a really frontal role, uh, front and center in in what is happening right now, which is another reason I wanted to write this book, because what we're seeing particularly in social media 
is the absolute antithesis of what self-worth is. When you see these, you know, expressions of what beauty or power or wealth are, that is actually the the opposite of what it really is. Self-worth is self-value. It is how worthy you believe you are. And self-worth it has nothing to do with what you look like or how much money you have or how many accomplishments, how many men you have, or how many women are in your life. It has nothing to do with external accomplishments. Self-esteem is the opposite of self-worth. Self-esteem, which also relates to who we are, and the terms are used in our society interchangeably, but they're actually opposite aspects of who we are. Self-esteem is what you do in the world. So you can be the president of our country or a chef or a plumber or whatever and do, you know, be successful in your career or your hobbies or as a house, you know, or as a mother or guardian, but you can still lack self-worth. Self-worth is what I call the heartbeat of our lives. It is absolutely central to the quality of how we live our lives and impacts every relationship, every aspect of our being, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, when we suffer from low self-worth, we aren't able to be in the moment. We aren't able to fully engage in our life because we're continuing to have this dual, this dichotomy within us between who we are in our core being and our soul self with who we think we should be to keep up with our societal, you know, our societal mores and demands. And so self-worth is really without question, the most important component of a person's life because it is truly the filter by which we view our lives and impacts mm-hmm. our energy, our attitude, our sexuality, our sleep, our ability mm-hmm. to even, you know, even get up in the morning. Um, yes. it, it has an overriding impact on everything, and most people don't realize it. They can live their entire lives and not realize that what is plaguing them is their lack of self-value. So true. Why did you name your new book The Human or A Human Mosaic, Heal, Renew, and Develop Self-Worth? Because the title is very important. Because if I'm really looking at working on myself, that will be something that I'd be drawn to reading. And were you personally going through a sort of a self-worth crisis, or was there somebody close to you, or was it your observation of where humanity was heading? The book was based on my own journey, but it was to help other people understand and really see that they can or connect with the fact that they can heal themselves. I'm a big believer in self-healing. And the name of the book, I had many other names. I had You Matter and Your Life Matters. and But then it struck me one day that we are a composite of energetic vibrations moving you know, and changing color and dimension and size all throughout our lives. And as we are evolving through life, those dimensions of ourselves are constantly moving and changing. And we are constantly striving to be a more evolved, more self-actualized aspect of ourselves. So a human mosaic, I felt, represented our journey through life, that as we grow Um, We might have different parts and pieces changing all the time, but we eventually hope to come together in this beautiful uh, blend of multifaceted elements that that are truly reflective of our soul, not what we look like. So I base the book on my own journey, I think, because it, it makes it more relatable to people when they read that someone has... Um, really suffered with feelings of low self-value throughout their life, even though they were high-achieving on the outside. Internally, you know, they were really hiding and very unhappy and very unfulfilled. And so it was based on my journey of trying to change myself. And I tried multiple approaches throughout my life, most of which were externally oriented, trying to succeed in business and win people's praise. And at the end of the day, that never that never filled my my lack of self value. It wasn't enough to fill that void inside of me. So I realized when I turned, I guess it was when I turned forty, really when it started, that nothing outside was ever going to be enough to fill that void in me. And I, my father died, and it was just a crushing blow to me. 
on top of the fact that I was bullied as a little girl and I had a very unstable and volatile life. And many of us do, Sister Jenna. Many, most, most of us do. But I decided that I wasn't going to allow myself to continue to live in this kind of really external orientation because it was leading me to nowhere. I could no longer wait for something to come and change me. I knew I had to take the reins of my life and change myself. And so that's what I decided to do. And after developing these practices and really working at rewiring my, my brain, I decided to write the book and interviewed all these trauma survivors and psychiatrists and transcendental meditation experts and acupuncturists. And I really delved into, I mean, I really did a comprehensive dive into self-worth from every angle. What was that like for you personally interviewing, you know, all of those victims? And what was your greatest learning lesson from it? It was extremely emotional because Mm -hmm. every interview, although the the, um, symptoms and what they experienced were different, were variegated, Mm -hmm. the root cause was all low self-worth, low self-value, And I realized it it really was the epiphany for me because I realized that most of our population suffers from feelings of unworthiness. It's much more common than it's not. And it's a complex, um, it's not an easy, easy, um, easy, excuse me, easy subject because it's inside of us. People can't see it. So most people conceal it the way I did my, my whole life. But mm-hmm. it is absolutely the most important uh, dimension of who we are in terms of living a fulfilling life and living yeah. with inner peace. And so I, I, when I interviewed these people, the, the number one issue was somewhere in their life, sometime, most of them was, were victims of childhood issues. Their their parents um, either had a volatile marriage or they grew up with one parent or the raging addict that I interviewed that also endorsed my book. He was the only redheaded boy in a town in Alabama and was bullied from the time he could remember. And so the issues were different but the manifest and the symptoms were different, but the root cause was always lack of self value. Mm, I get that. Amazing, isn't it? Now, self worth and self worth and self esteem—they're usually interchange interchangeably. But you say that they're distinct. How? They are absolutely distinct. And in mm-hmm. our society, people don't realize that self esteem is what you do, your confidence and your competence. But self worth is your inner spiritual, the essence of who you are. And so people live with this incongruity. It's called cognitive dissonance in their lives where their behavior does not align with their inner soul self. And so they're, con- they're living with this constant tension within themselves, but they don't understand, but they don't think they have a way out. They don't realize that with the power of neuroplasticity, you can rewire your brain. And the, the main issue, and this was one of the hesitancies in writing my book, was that most people, as you know, Sister Jen, in our society, are want a quick fix. They want to change, and they want to change now, whether it's they want to become more patient or they want to be lose weight or get in shape or, you know, have a better job. They, they want to do things and find the solution within, you know, days. They don't realize that when you – that just like anything else, a habit takes time to form. We form these neural connections in our brain, but it takes – repetitive cycles of thought and behavior to form these neural pathways. And so what, what I was worried about is that most people don't want to work at themselves. They're willing to work at a job 12, 15 hours a day, but they're not willing to invest time in feeling better about who they are. It's a real, it's very perplexing to me. And I found as I was working on this book by interviewing these experts throughout the world that they all said that the issue is is that our society wants to be focused externally. Going back to what you said about the media thing with these people and all these shallow, you know, these young girls and, and boys are seeing these 
they call, you know, they look at them and they follow them. They have millions of followers, all these, you know, celebrities and people who look great. But those celebrities have internal issues of their own. They have self-worth issues. But most people don't understand that. They don't have, they don't have the uh, information to understand that what you see on the outside is not what you're feeling on the inside. And this fixation, fixation on an external orientation, we grow up with that. We grew up with an overly developed external fixation, and it goes back to our childhood. So we don't know how to manage our internal sense of self. We don't have self-trust mm-hmm. or self, self-value. self Yeah, and, and so the media doesn't support it either because it just shows you a lot of the external mosaic, so to speak, of an illusion. An illusion is not... You know, America isn't the happiest country in the world, believe it or not, and yet no. we're supposed to have everything. We're gifted everything that we're, we can possibly dream of, and yet the happiness isn't there. Now, you talk about keeping a journal, that it's important, and I know the benefits of it because sometimes when you put thoughts on paper, it gets clearer to see where you are inside. And I agree with you that at a personal, deeper level, it takes more nudging for human beings to become more engaged in the deep inner work, for them to manifest what they keep dreaming about. And very few actually pick up the signal or the insightfulness to say, I've got to change the way I'm seeing myself and the environment around me. But one of the things I have enjoyed is that when I bump into individuals who are those few, who are making those deep internal shifts, they inspire me so much, Anne. They yes. inspire me so much, you know. So writing and journal, it's really important. Can you share why? What are some of the benefits? And how often, let's say someone who's never done journaling before, how would you suggest that they start a, a journal? Well, journaling is a beautiful, beautiful practice because, and I've been doing it since I was six years old. I have 36 different, I call them diaries back then, but I've always been a prolific writer, so that was my one private kind of place to just let it all out where I knew that no one would ever judge me. So I think writing is one of the most valuable tools for anyone because what it does, the process of writing is actually taking these thoughts that are cycling inside of you and causing you distress and putting, concretizing them by putting them on paper. And when you do that, there, there's a heavy burden, and it's subconscious, but it really is lifted from you when you're able to write and see on paper your feelings because the thoughts we have about ourselves, as I talk about, are just thoughts. They're not facts. You can change your thoughts at any moment, but we believe, let's say we believe we're unattractive compared to so-and-so in society. We, we think this is fact. We believe it in our hearts that we are unattractive, but it's not true because there is no standard for what's attractive and what's not attractive, even though our society has built an image around it. So what we do when we write is we take these feelings about ourselves and we really filter them down into distinct and definitive points that we can later then look back on with some detachment and say, okay, I have these feelings about me, but they're not true. They're just thoughts. And writing is a very cathartic process. It's a way to gain distance from your thoughts, to see what you're thinking when you see it on paper. It it makes them real. And you realize that, yeah, I have been feeling this way, and isn't this terrible that I see myself this way? What can I do about these feelings? So it makes them concrete, but it also creates distance so you can understand what you've... Oftentimes, we are so busy in our lives that we suppress these feelings about ourselves. We keep them down. But as you know, what we suppress never disappears. It just keeps recycling in our brain. So when we write these things down, we're able to see them, and it gives us some distance and detachment from them. And so... If you haven't kept a journal, this would, I would tell anybody, if you haven't kept a journal in the past, start and just write. Don't think about it. Just write anything that comes to your mind. 
and take a few minutes every day. It hasn't, doesn't have to be a, a lot, either at night or in the morning or whenever you have time in the day, and spend a few minutes and just let go of the things that are really causing you inner distress. Let them go by writing them down. And the more you do that, the freer your mind will be because you're actually dumping these thoughts onto paper and cl- right. making space in your brain. So it's a very valuable, very helpful practice to be able to see what you're thinking. And, you know, if you don't know what you're thinking, how can you change? And so many of us live with this mindset that we have to perform. We have to be busy, 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 busy. So we're never really able to assess and evaluate what is causing us internal distress. And so Mm -hmm. when you write, you are able to at least have a place to put those thoughts down that you don't have to share with anyone else. There's no judgment. No criticism. Right. No one's going to say, oh, you know. So it's a right. wonderful, wonderful, cathartic It's like tool. a cleansing as well, no? It's, 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 a, it's like absolute, a cleansing. It I, is I know a I cleansing. I feel very light. I feel very light when I do it. Um, yes. I want to go back to the to just reminding our guests, you know, we're talking to Anne Boudreau, author of A Human Mosaic, Heal, Renew, and Develop Self-Worth. And Earlier on in our conversation, Anne was sharing about her 22 years as a business executive and really reaching the top of her game. And one of the things that we've touched on in our conversation is that a lot of high achievers uh, in performance, even oriented families, they're very educated, they're very successful. There's still an aspect of low self-worth, you know, somewhere percolating in their personality despite their accomplishments. What would you say would be like a best step for souls in that particular position to start to really focus on what's really important in their lives? That's a wonderful question, Sister Jenna, because the truth is until we are able to dig down deep and think about what is causing us this inner tension, why we feel inferior, we're never going to be able to have a really meaningful and life, I mean, not the life that, that I would want for myself. And I think most people, they want to feel fulfilled. I mean, I work with people all the time that are just, you know, heartbroken or who have tried to commit suicide, and they, they don't know why. You know, they say, I've been depressed, or I've been, you know, I'm, I don't have this, or I don't have that, or I lost my love. But they really don't understand the root cause. And I, I think, you know, no change to thought or behavior sustainable unless it's an internal and intentional. So you have to be, you have to start, the, there are steps that one can take to just start listening to what they're thinking, listening to those thoughts, not just res- responding externally, but starting to listen to their thoughts and catch them as they're coming in so they can you know, be aware of what those thoughts are and then perhaps understand what's causing those thoughts. And so most of us just feel, we go through our lives just feeling, I'm not good enough. They don't understand why. And it starts when, for most of us, it starts when we're little and we learn in our environment, we're praised for, you know, our good behavior, our good grades, our good athleticism. But, you know, when we don't perform well, we don't get any response or we get negative response. So we start forming these opinions of ourselves that we have to be a certain way um, to feel good. And it's, it's, you know, so we really need to go back to our childhood and go back to those incidences in our life to understand the root cause before we're able to change. And that doesn't mean going through and reliving the pain. It just means creating that context for yourself so you know what happened that has made you feel the way you feel. And then you begin writing. You begin meditating on it. You begin. I provide a lot of practices in my book that are easy to do, that uh, don't require a lot of time. But if you apply them to yourself every day, you can start what I call is the process of self-healing. And I based a lot of my book, as you may know, on Carl Rogers, who is the founder of humanistic psychology. And he believed, as I do, that the only one that can really heal oneself is oneself, that you can 
try to do things and talk to people and get counseling, but at the end of the day, you have to dig down deep and understand mm-hmm. what you're thinking about yourself and and find the root cause so that you can start changing yourself. And, and it's really focusing on your inner, what I call your inner soul self, your inner personality, how you view yourself, your persona. Right. So does that answer your question? I'm- it did. And I have to tell you, one of the methods that I use to keep my thoughts on track my interpretation of the divine or the supreme is an ocean of love and purity and peace and it's interesting because we don't really have a gauge we know we're supposed to be better and you know religion has given us commandments scriptures prophets yes and still we're not able to live up to that sort of a template or fully at least some of us do to some extent some of us uh, could improve tremendously. But one of the things that I've used, and I don't know if it'll be helpful for our listeners, is I'll go in and I'll really turn to the divine and go, what would you do? And my interpretation of the divine is a very loving, pure, non-judgmental, and non-critical energy. Yes. And yes. the capacity of the love and the purity that it holds is like an equivalent to an ocean. So I get a chance to see to what extent I'm actually limiting my energy versus being an energy that comes from that source. And it has helped me so much to be able to, you know, find clarity in the way the inner personality is supposed to show up in this physical form that I'm now in. As a mother of three children, it's been an interesting time to educate kids, even if they're teenagers, or even in their early 20s. I met a young man the other day, and he was so fired up about the way things are in the world. And I understand politics and the need for maybe a particular part of our culture to transmit a message to the world that, you know, America's now the bully, new sheriff is in town, you know, they're not going to play their tough members and to impose this fear amongst Mm -hmm. many other countries around the world. And we all know that that only stimulates more insecurity in people, which turns out to be even worse. So with your children, you know, how do you advise them now? How do you guide them in helping them to develop healthy self-worth patterns? Yeah, and to protect them from not getting influenced by this kind of a bullying mentality that we're seeing in the country and the world. Oh, it's it's so difficult. That's, you know, it is so difficult. And um, I grew up with parents who never asked me, how do I feel about myself? You know, never, never inquired. In fact, they were kind of socialites. And I was raised by, by maids, and I never really even considered exploring my feelings or how did I feel, you know. So I was always externally focused. And with my children, I've always had... A, completely candid and open dialogue with them and they know they see because they've learned from me and how much I suffered in my life how much I demeaned myself and how much that impacted me as a person how I suffered for years and years and years after being bullied feeling that I was never good enough that I was always on the verge of being rejected and so what I did with my children from the time literally that, that I started nursing my children even is I focused on them. I, I was in the moment with them and just always being empathetic and compassionate and listening with a very non-judgmental. And that's hard to do. Of course, I had to instill discipline, but I had my kids. I had open dialogue with my children, and we talk constantly about what's going on in the world and how it's impacting people. And I think that as a parent, when you are very open and supportive of your child, and not just when they succeed, but all the time, and for me, especially when they felt they didn't do well, that's when I came in and said, that's part of life. This is teaching you that not it's not a steady, straight, linear path that you're going to go through some ups and a lot of ups and downs, but it's your ability to have resilience and to get up when you make a mistake and learn from that mistake that will make you a stronger, more confident individual because it's just part of life. We, we err all the time, but that doesn't mean we're a bad person. 
our goodness comes from within. It is not from without. We're never going to feel a thousand percent because that's just not human nature. So we have we've developed. I developed a strong core spiritual connection with my children, and that's hard to explain. But I think when you have this open dialogue with them and they know they can trust you, that no matter what they do, I told my children from the time they were little that I didn't care what they did. As long as they were open and honest with me, I would support them through anything. And I think having that level of trust in a world that is so negative right now, so toxic, is extremely important because it's a foundation that you, no one can take away from them. So I think learning trust as a parent, teaching trust, is fundamental. It's a fundamental building block of right. developing self-worth. So beautiful, that, that's Waldo um, Emerson said that self-trust is the essence of heroism. And I would have these quotes f- up from my family that I would say, this is why. Self-trust, be your own hero. Be your own best friend because people are going to disappoint you. They're going to let you down. But when you know in your heart, in your spiritual centeredness, that you are going to be okay no matter what, then you can get through these difficult times. Absolutely. And Vidru, it was wonderful having you on air and talking deeper about, you know, how to heal, renew, and and really cultivate self-worth, which is ironically our natural state of being. We've just sort of moved away from it. Are you on any book tours, book signings? Are there any up events taking place for you? I've done a lot of book signings, and I'm going to continue to do them. I'm also going to start speaking at colleges, especially to groups about self-worth and the importance of self-worth as a lifeline in today's society. And I'm also going to start writing a new book that's focused more on self-trust. So I'll be doing that as well in the upcoming months. Okay, beautiful. Can you leave us with a website that we can get a hold of you if they want some more yes. information? Please. My website is www.anne, middle initial O, last name Boudreau, B-O-U-D-R-E-A-U.com. Oh, good. Thank you so much for being on air. It was a delight having this heartfelt conversation with you. Thank you so much, Sister Jenna. Love speaking with you. Take care. All the best. You too. So our self-worth is at risk. (laughs) I think it's a great way of looking at where we are presently and really beginning to find ways to heal our past and find some renewal because we really are here to be a beautiful mosaic of self-worth and self-value. I hope you've enjoyed our chit-chat. Go and visit com. If you'd like some more information of Anne's work, remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. Here is I Rise from Inclusion Revolution. Take care, everyone. I rise above. I'm the master of my own mind. I sit here with a pure intention to gain mastery over my thoughts and therefore mastery over my words and actions. As I hear the thoughts through words of others, I ask myself, is that my truth, my original nature is one of love, peace, purity, truth, and joy. And sometimes when I hear the words that do not match my original nature, I have the choice to rise above and remember who I really am. As a master of my mind, I decide which thoughts stay and which thoughts must go. I choose to rise above 
as I rise above in consciousness and interpretations of stories, narratives that no longer support my truth or present. A greater power, a greater peace, and acceptance for myself and others surrounds me in this moment. The master of my mind, I rise above, replacing thoughts of fear, anger, greed, and divide. Thoughts of belonging, respect, love, and wisdom. As I rise above, I find clarity, a deeper meaning, and the courage to continue to move on. I rise above, and I remember who I am and why I'm here, and that is love everyone the same. Let me sit in the state of being above. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.